Last week we looked at the first part of Ephesians 5.18, and today we look at the second part. The first part was very negative. It says, do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation. And we looked at what the Bible says about the use of alcohol, and it can lead to drunkenness, alcoholism, and many other dangers that we need to avoid. That was the negative. And then we concluded by saying, but the rest of the verse includes the positive. The positive answer to the negative, and it's found in the words, but be filled with the Spirit. It's not enough to stop drinking or even to stop sinning. We need something in the place of that, and that something is God, and specifically the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at this short part of the verse, be filled with the Spirit. And the first question we have to answer is, who is the Holy Spirit? He's mentioned in the Bible repeatedly, even in Genesis 1 all the way to the very last paragraph, of Revelation 22. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is not an angel. Angels are called spirits, either good spirits or bad spirits. We generally call them angels. But the Holy Spirit is not that kind of a spirit. They are created. He is uncreated. They are angels. He is God. But what they have in common is in the word spirit, that means they are not physical. Angels don't have a physical body, neither does the Holy Spirit. Of course not, he's infinite. Jesus is God and he took on a human body. The Holy Spirit never did, never shall. The Holy Spirit is spirit, he is not physical. And the Bible says he is the member of the Trinity. That's a deep mystery. When Jesus sent out his apostles to baptize, he said, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, and he is personal. He is not an impersonal force like the Jehovah's Witnesses say. They say, well, he's just like muscle or electricity. No, he is power, but he is personal. He is personally powerful. He has infinite power because he is God, but he is personal. The Bible says he speaks. Acts 13 says, thus says the Holy Spirit. It says he is grieved. Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Spirit. He thinks. 1 Corinthians 2 talks about the thoughts of God that the Holy Spirit knows. And there's only one Holy Spirit. Uh, Ephesians 4 says there's one God, there's one Father, there's one Christ, there's one Holy Spirit. There are many angels, but only one Holy Spirit. Now, the old King James Version will call him the Holy Ghost. And some people say, that sounds spooky, like the ghosts of dead people at Halloween. No, no. The Holy Spirit is not the ghost of a dead person. Ghost simply is an old word taken from German, Geist, which means spirit, something that is intangible. You cannot touch, or feel, see, or taste the Holy Spirit. Jesus called him the Comforter. 
Sometimes that's translated as the counselor or the helper. He is the way God is in personal touch with us. There's God the Father. He sent the Son into the world. And the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit into the world to apply salvation to us. And the Holy Spirit comes into us, gives us a new birth, and he leads us. He protects us. He teaches us. It's a living reality. And there's something else. Perhaps the most important thing about the Holy Spirit is just that. He is holy. He is repeatedly called holy. Now the Father is called Holy Father. John 17 says. Jesus is holy. Repeatedly is called the Holy One of Israel. But dear brethren. Whenever we think of the Holy Spirit. Always remember. He is holy. And as I said. He is the way God personally contacts us. Actually really. He comes into us. That's when holiness meets unholiness in our hearts. And he convicts us. He shows that we're guilty. He, he, he touches our conscience. But he just doesn't leave it there. He just doesn't convict and condemn. He converts. He changes our hearts so that we are now living and we've already begun to become holy. First we are justified. We're forgiven. And then it's the Holy Spirit's job to gradually make us holy. We call that sanctification. Now keep that in mind as we look at this when it says be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit means, among other things, a living sense of divine holiness within us. So those that say they're filled with the Spirit, but they're not sensing holiness, that's not the Holy Spirit. A person that is filled with the Spirit of God senses a living power of divine holiness. Now, as I said, the Holy Spirit does not have a physical substance. So the contrast in this verse is, don't be drunk with physical wine or liquor, beer, whatever, including drugs, because it leads to dissipation. That is something physical. But the filling of the Holy Spirit is not something physical as such. It does have physical implications. The Holy Spirit is not received in the mouth like alcohol is. The Holy Spirit fills us in our heart, in our soul. And that is not physical. Our heart is that intangible part of our being. You've seen me use the analogy of a hand in a glove. Our glove, as it were, is our physical body, but our soul is inside of it like a hand in a glove. The Holy Spirit comes and fills both our parts of us, but he starts with the soul. So it's not received by the mouth, but in the heart. But it's not conferred by us. We cannot confer the Holy Spirit on someone else, much as we may like. It's conferred by God himself. He is the one that fills us, and it's not done by water baptism, but by the word of God. This is God's ordained means by which he gives us the Spirit and fills us with this Spirit. So maybe you long to be filled with this Spirit. Maybe you've never heard a message like this on what the filling of the Spirit is. Open your Bible, read it, and say, Lord, fill me with the Spirit, the Spirit inspired this. This is a living book. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is living and active. This is not a dead book like other books. 
This is a lie because the Holy Spirit, listen closely, the Spirit that inspired it continues to speak through it and works through it. This is how he gives a person the new birth. This is how he fills a person with himself, the Holy Spirit. Now look at the verb in this, con- in this command. Be filled with the Spirit. And since the Spirit isn't a physical entity, it means something other than just like drinking wine or eating food. The word filled in the New Testament is used in a metaphorical sense of being controlled by something. Just like you're under the influence of alcohol, and if you drive like that, you could get DUI driving under the influence. We're to be under the overwhelming, strong influence of the Holy Spirit, not of alcohol. For example, listen to these examples elsewhere in the New Testament where it talks about people that are filled with other things. Luke 5.26 says that they were filled with fear. Luke 4.28, they were filled with wrath. In other words, they just overwhelmingly angry. They were under the control of these emotions, losing their temper. Acts 3.10, some people saw a miracle and it says they were filled with wonder. Have you ever been filled with wonder? Something on the computer, something in nature, some new thought, and it causes you to ponder it and to wonder. You're overwhelmed. They were filled with wonder. Acts 13.45 says some people were filled with envy. They couldn't get it out of their minds. Acts 13.52, some were filled with joy. Have you ever been so happy? You almost want to do that little happy dance. You're filled with joy. It's controlling you. It's overwhelming. The opposite is in John 16.16. Jesus looked at his apostles and said, Why are you filled with sorrow? Such as depression or mourning. It's overwhelming. You're under the control of of that emotion. That's what filling means. 2 Corinthians 7.4 then says, may you be filled with comfort. Acts 19.29 says some people were filled with confusion. They just didn't know what was going on. Luke 6.11, some were filled with anger. So you look at all that and you see the word filling means to be controlled by something that's overwhelming and it's guiding you along. And we find examples in the New Testament of people filled by the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist was filled by the Spirit. Luke 1.15, his mother Elizabeth. Luke 1.41, and his father Zacharias. Luke 1.67, imagine, that whole family was filled with the Spirit. We find other examples. Stephen, the first martyr, Acts 6.5, Peter, Acts 4.8, and Paul, Acts 13.9, in Acts 4.31, a whole group of the apostles were suddenly filled with the Holy Spirit. There's someone else that was filled with the Spirit in a special way, both quantitatively more and qualitative di- qualitatively different. That was our Lord Jesus. Luke 4.1, Jesus was filled with the Spirit. And John 3.34 says, God has given him the spirit without measure. What does that mean? He is, there's no limitation to him. He was always filled. We're not always filled. That's why we're told be filled. But since we are finite beings, we don't have a complete 
infinite measure like Jesus did. He is the golden example of someone that was always filled, but there is something about him we cannot imitate. He had an infinite capacity to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the filling of the Spirit is similar to, but different from, another analogy. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, I ask you to turn later in the New Testament to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. These two words, filling and baptism, are very similar. For example, in Acts 1.5, Jesus said to his apostles, Stay here in Jerusalem until you are baptized in the Holy Spirit as John the Baptist had predicted and as I have promised. And then in chapter 2, verse 4, it says that they were then filled with the Holy Spirit. So he says you'll be baptized by the Spirit, you'll be filled by the Spirit. So you see there's a similarity. But the similarity is not entire. There's a difference. Because, well, you're, you're, you're baptized in the Spirit when you're born again, but you need to continue to from time to time, be filled with the Spirit. Now, here's a great verse, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. By one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. That's the body of Christ, the church, the group of Christians. Whether you were Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. The idea of drinking is comparable to Ephesians 5.18, being filled. But notice that these both happen at the same time. When you were initially converted, the Holy Spirit came into you and he filled you. And as it were, you were baptized in the Spirit. My point is, all Christians and only Christians have the Holy Spirit. Indeed, if you do not have the Holy Spirit in you, that is spiritual proof you're not a Christian. Because all Christians have the Spirit. Romans 8 9 says, He that does not have the Spirit does not belong to Jesus. So when the Spirit comes and gives us a new birth, we're called born again, we're regenerated, He gives us this spiritual energy. One theologian called it divine energy like heavenly lightning. It, it regenerates us. It gives us spiritual life. Oh yes, we have natural life and we have physical life but not spiritual life until the lightning of the Holy Spirit regenerates us. What do I mean regeneration? Well you know what that's like. In January and it's snowing it's 20 degrees outside and you go to start the car and dead battery. It needs regeneration. Hey Joe bring the jumper cables over and give me a jump. Power is put into it and it comes alive. That's what the Holy Spirit does when he regenerates us. We're born again. And the power that he puts in us is not simply like electricity that's impersonal. The power is the Holy Spirit himself that comes in with his power, with his enlightenment, with his love. He comes into us, and that's why it says we're baptized by the Holy Spirit. Baptism means to put under the water, like to dunk or to immerse something, or even to drown something, you put it under the water. But now notice what it says here. You were baptized into the body of Christ. You were baptized in, into Christ and baptized in this spirit. All these happen concurrently. 
illustration I've always used is this. Now I have a little cup of water here, and I'll occasionally sip at it. Let's say you take an empty cup of water to the kitchen, and you fill up your kitchen sink with water. And you take the empty cup and you dunk it into the water. What's the result? The cup is in the water and the water is in the cup. The same thing happens when we are baptized into the Spirit. We are now in the realm of the Spirit and the Spirit is in us. And it says here also, made to drink of one's Spirit. So change the metaphor just a little bit to maybe you remember when you were baptized in water and maybe I was the one that did it because I baptized a number of you in water. And I always say now, pinch your nose and close your mouth when I put you under the water. What if I baptized you and you had your mouth open? You'd be in the water and the water would be in you. But that's what happens when we are put in the spirit and the spirit is put in us. But there's more than that. In this wonderful change in us Christ comes into us and we are now in Christ that word in means we're related to him so all that happens at one time the spirit comes in you you're in this spirit Christ is in you you are in Christ and you are related now that happens it says here all Christians it says we have all been baptized into one body we've all been made to drink of one spirit and that means all Christians. Now, that is when you are first filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit never leaves you, but here's how we best put it. There's one baptism of the Spirit, but there are many subsequent fillings of the Holy Spirit. For example, I mentioned Acts chapter 2, verse 4. It says they were all filled with the Spirit, but then later in the book of Acts, those same people were refilled with the Holy Spirit. They were not baptized with the Spirit. Again, they had that once. So the formula is one baptism, many fillings. Again and again. And every Christian has special times of fillings of the Spirit. And sometimes you can remember it. You can remember, I was going through a dry time in my life, Pastor. And then, maybe I was at communion or I was reading something in the Bible and it felt like, all of a sudden, I was filled again with the Spirit. Not that I was saved again, but again, I was sensing the love and the holiness of God and this spiritual power. You were refilled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians says. Now, this tells us something important about all Christians. It says there, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, all Christians. There are not two types of Christians where some have the Holy Spirit and some don't. No. All Christians have the Holy Spirit. They've all been baptized and some have been filled more often than others. So ignore the idea, and I know it's floating around in churches, that says, well, there are two types of Christians. There are those that are spirit-filled and there are those that are not spirit-filled they are the carnal Christians that never have fruit of the Spirit, never go to church, never love God. No, that's not what the Bible says. The only one type of Christian, we all have the Holy Spirit, but we all need to keep getting filled again. No Christian is permanently backslidden and carnal. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in him. And when a Christian sins or even backslides for a period of time, what brings them back to God? What brings them back to repentance? The Holy Spirit that's in you. 
He'll let you stray only so long and say, up, oh, that's enough. And then he begins to touch our conscience and we say, I need to repent. I need to come back to God. Lord, forgive me. Fill me again with the Spirit. No Christian is permanently backslidden, only temporarily. On the other hand, no Christian is always filled with the Spirit. Sometimes he is, but sometimes he isn't. That's why it says, be filled with the Spirit. He wouldn't command it if we were always filled with the Spirit. As I'm preaching this message, examine your hearts. Better yet, may the Spirit examine your hearts. As you're sitting here this morning, are you filled with the Spirit? Or are you not filled with the Spirit? Did you walk through those church doors in a backslidden state, cherishing unrepentant sin? If that's the case, repent before you take communion. Or that would be sacrilege. Be filled with the Spirit. Now how does this happen? It's not by water baptism. For example, John the Baptist predicted the coming of the Messiah and said, well, I just baptize in water. He will baptize in the Holy Spirit. Notice the contrast. So the spirit baptism doesn't come about by water baptism. It's Jesus that baptizes us with the spirit. He's the one that puts us into the realm of the spirit, as it were, with open mouths, and we come up filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not done by another human being. Not me. I can't baptize you with the spirit. I can't fill you with the spirit. Parents cannot do that for their children. They wish that they could. But it's only the Lord Jesus that does this. So it's not a preacher. It's not a Roman Catholic priest that breathes on you and gives you the Holy Spirit. No, who does he think he is? It's Jesus that fills us with this Spirit. Not a priest. Nor is it some so-called prophet that our brother Justin Peters warns about. You remember those pictures he was showing when he was at our conference? Some of those same people think they have the power to give you the Holy Spirit. Some of them go so far, it's actually blasphemous. He could have shown you movies and pictures of people like Benny Hinn that says he can throw the Holy Spirit to somebody. No, you can't. And that's blasphemous to say that you're throwing them like a holy football. No. It's Jesus does it. But he doesn't do it through water baptism, as some people think. Because if you ask him, have you been filled with the Spirit, or have you been baptized in the Spirit, some will say, yes. When I was baptized in water, either as a baby, or as a teenager, or some other time. No, the two are two separate things. According to the Bible, you should first be saved, baptized in the Spirit, and then get water baptized, and not the other way around. Because many people have been baptized in water, but not in the Spirit. And they've never been filled because they've never had that living contact with the Spirit. On the other hand, there are some Christians that are baptized in the Spirit. And they've been filled with the Spirit. And they know what it's like to have a living relationship with the Holy Spirit in them. But they have not yet been baptized in water. They should because this same Holy Spirit commands it. The ideal is to have both of them baptized in the Spirit and then later baptized in water. 
By the way, this experience of being filled with the Spirit is also comparable to another analogy, being anointed by the Spirit. For example, 1 John 2.20 says, you have all have this anointing. All Christians have this. What's, what's, what's anointing? It's another biblical metaphor for what you do when you take like some oil and you put it on a person. That's how they anointed a prophet or a priest when, or even a king when that person was ordained to an, uh, an office. It was a symbol of the Holy Spirit's anointing of that person to do that special work. We have been given a special anointing, and the anointing is not oil, it's not water, it's the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, you've been anointed by the Holy Spirit, and then there are more anointings after that. By, again, by the way, ignore those false prophets that say, you know, I have this anointing, and they go into these strange movements of their body like they've been poked by a cattle prod. No, that's not the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now the question then arises, it says be filled with this Spirit, and the Spirit is somehow in us, like you drink something in you, 1 Corinthians 12. How is the Holy Spirit in us if he is not a tangible entity? Well, this may surprise you. He does come into both our spirit and our body. Our bodies, yes, but not in a physical way because he is not physical. Uh, he comes into us. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells in us. And that's why God says in that very chapter, chapter 6, if your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, don't use your body for sinful activities such as illicit sex. That's exactly what the chapter says. Because then you're committing sacrilege against the Holy Spirit that is within you. But he is in your body. He came in when you were saved. Some have said it's some, something like those people that Jesus met that were demon-possessed. What's that? A demon is a fallen angel, an evil spirit. And in rare cases, they came into people and controlled the person. You could say that person who was demon-possessed was filled with an evil spirit. The difference, though, is that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're called upon to cooperate with him. It says here, be filled with this spirit. But if poor demon-possessed person has lost all control, God has to step in and free him. So, the Holy Spirit comes into our body. He also comes into our spirits. Did you know that? It says in Corinthians, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And that's a very deep mystery. He comes into our spirit, and yet we are still us and he is still him some have said it's comparable to marriage in that case it's two plus two equals one the bible says those that are get married they are now one the two become one and yet the man is still the man the woman is still the woman but you that are married say there's a certain unity when you get married the same thing happens when you are united with god by the holy spirit you are still you the spirit is still him but you are now united in this mysterious, miraculous transformation. What does it look like in a person that's filled with the Spirit? Well, first let me tell you 
what it does not mean and then what it does mean. It does not mean mere extreme religious emotionalism. I don't know how many of y'all have ever been to churches that they have a wild party. I'm talking about our Pentecostal and charismatic friends. Now, I used to be in that movement when I became a new Christian, so I've seen it, and I've done, I used to do the dancing and the rolling on the ground. You, maybe you've seen this in person or on television. There have been some things you have not seen on television. People jumping, swinging from the rafters, rolling on the ground, climbing up and barking like animals, wild. And they say, this is the filling of the Spirit. That's not the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's simply emotionalism. Or to be more specific, it's fanaticism. And they're deluded into thinking, I'm filled with the Spirit, and they act like a complete fool. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings in self-control and order. Galatians 5 lists nine fruits of the Holy Spirit, and the last one is self-control. Not out of control where they say, I can't control myself. Yes, you can, because you're being controlled by the Holy Spirit. So what does it look like when a person is baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, I was taught at Pentecostal Bible College that the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what? Speaking in tongues. Some of y'all maybe have gone to churches like that or heard about that. And they said, well, look at Acts chapter 2, verse 4. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and, quote, they began to speak in other tongues. Yes, they did. And we find a few other examples in the Bible. But that was then, and I am convinced that that special gift Speaking in tongues like healings and certain other miraculous gifts were temporary for the time of the New Testament. But even in the time of the New Testament, it was not always the evidence of being baptized in the Spirit or later being filled by the Spirit. It was a gift given only to certain Christians, and that was only temporarily then. So we don't look for speaking in tongues as evidence that you've been filled by the Spirit or baptized by the Spirit. So what is the true evidence? What does it look like when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit? I already told you. Holiness. Sanctification. A love for holiness and a hatred of sin. Where do those holy attitudes come from? Not you. But from the Holy Spirit. He's put that in you. That's an evidence that you are a Christian, that you're filled with the Spirit, is that you've been transformed and you say, that which I once loved, I hate now. I hate the sin that I once loved. And before I hated God, I tried to ignore Him. Now I love God. That's proof that God is working in you by the filling of the Holy Spirit. Godliness. Look at the verse again. It's in contrast with dissipation, debauchery, degeneracy, Sinful behavior. Don't be drunk with wine that leads to that, but be filled with the Spirit that leads to godliness. I mentioned Galatians 5.22. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. That's the evidence that you've been filled by the Spirit. So someone that says, I'm filled with the Spirit, but he doesn't show this evidence, he's deceived. He is self-deceived. Something else, good evidence. Look at the verse again. Be filled with the Spirit, 
speaking to one another, not in tongues, but it says speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody into the Lord. It's just like when a person gets drunk, unfortunately a lot of them want to start singing, even if they can't sing two notes in harmony with each other. I hope none of y'all have ever seen that or done that, but people who get drunk often, often want to start singing because they're under the control of alcohol. But when we're filled by the Spirit, there's something in us that produces joy. It says here, melody unto the Lord. That's why we like to sing on Sunday morning. I hope some of you like to sing when you're at home or driving in the car and you just fill with the Spirit and you say, I just got to worship God and you start singing one of your favorite hymns. That's one of the evidences of the Holy Spirit. Again, look at the verse. Be filled with the Spirit. Notice that that is a command. And yet it's passive. Be filled. It doesn't say fill yourself. You could say it means ask God to fill you. Fill me, O Lord. What's that song we sometimes sing? Fill me, O Lord, I lift my cup up to you. Fill my heart, O Lord, fill it to overflowing. He is the one that fills us. So perhaps this could be rendered, let the Spirit fill you. And don't hinder him, or Bible says, quench not the Holy Spirit, or do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now literally, the language is, be being filled. What does that mean? It's a participle in the original Greek. It means, be filled And keep being filled repeatedly. Just like all of you have an automobile, unless it's an EV, you're going to have to refill it with gasoline. We need refillings over and over again. Be being filled. In the book of Psalms, David once said, I have been anointed with fresh oil. We need God's anointing and his Holy Spirit over and over again. Now, just like you would want to fill something up and you say well let's say that this was water and you wanted to fill it with milk best thing is to pour the water out and then pour the milk in so when we say lord fill me empty yourself repent humble yourself and say lord i'm filled with sin sinful thoughts sinful plans lord i repent you're emptying that on the other hand we cannot truly empty ourselves of sin by repentance, without the Spirit's help. So we've already got the Spirit, so we say, Lord, Holy Spirit, help me to repent and to pour out this sin so that you can replace it with more of yourself and your influences. Call on the Spirit who is in you to fill you more. And then pray for a special filling at certain times that you really need the Holy Spirit. It's once was recorded that Martin Luther often when he went up to preach, he was not always bold as a lion. Sometimes he was scared to death to stand up and preach. And sometimes he'd do this. When he'd walk up to the pulpit, he'd be silently praying, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit. I've got to preach your word with your help. Think about times you specifically need the filling of the Holy Spirit. If you're going to preach, if you're going to teach a Bible study or a Sunday school class, or if you're going out with Dell and Josh and Tyler and these others to witness on the streets of Chicago or campuses, pray and say, I need, 
Oh, Holy Spirit, fill me. I'm going into the devil's territory. Fill me. Control me. Use me. Speak through me. Other special times when you're battling Satan. Has that ever happened to you? You're witnessing to someone that starts talking about witchcraft and other evil stuff. You say, this is toe-to-toe spiritual battle. Holy Spirit, fill me. Protect me. Use me. When you're facing a spiritual trial or a physical trial, when you're in the doctor's office waiting for him to read you out the medical reports and you're afraid it may not be good. Not just cry out to God, but say, Spirit, fill me. So no matter what that doctor's report is, I will take it as from you because you are in control of this. May he fill you. Now that's a positive here, be filled with the Spirit. The Bible warns us about negative things concerning the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit. Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Spirit. Acts 7.51 says, you do always resist the Spirit. And the worst of all, Matthew 12 says certain people blaspheme the Spirit. And that's something only an unbeliever can do. Now, occasionally the Bible mentioned like in the book of Acts, when many Christians were together and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now that's actually rare in a whole church service. Sometimes it might happen in a family, but imagine if 100 people were all suddenly extraordinarily filled with the Spirit and they all began to sense it, not just in them, but among them. You know what we call that? Revival. True revival. When the Spirit moves in and does something extraordinarily that only He can do and you sense God is in this place and He is in us. Again, look at the verse. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. I put together a list of, oh, I don't know, about 15 contrasts and comparisons between drunkenness and being Spirit-filled. In drunkenness, there's no self-control. But being filled with the Spirit, you are filled with self-control. In drunkenness, there's false courage. You ever see some drunk try to do something that he's not able to do? He's got that bravado. That's false courage. But the Holy Spirit gives us true courage. A person, as I said, that gets drunk likes to sing worldly and sinful songs. But a person that's filled with the Spirit wants to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I quoted Martin Lloyd-Jones last week, and he said, alcohol is a depressant. A lot of people think I'm going to get high. No, it brings you down, slows down your thinking. It's a depressant. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not a depressant. It's a stimulant. It stirs us up spiritually. Now, both of these can lead to more and more. For example, the more you drink, it can lead to being drunk, it can lead to being an alcoholic, and it can even lead to death. The opposite of the Holy Spirit is it can lead to more and more holiness and sanctification and more fruit of the Spirit. Instead of more and more and more on that side, it's more and more and more here. Instead of bad, worse and worse, it's good, better, and best. The verse here says drunkenness can lead to debauchery, degeneracy, being filled with the Spirit leads to holiness and godliness. Drunkenness leads to a person showing off. And I can remember in my pre-Christian days the way people would act, you know, climbing up on a 
table at a bar and jumping and doing stupid things, obscene stuff, showing off or bragging about their accomplishments. Hey, congratulate me. I won the Super Bowl or something like that. Showing off, not humility. Being filled with the Spirit shows off God. Worshiping God, the Holy Spirit moves us to worship. There are bad effects of being drunk, like hangover, blackouts, or even the DTs. Nothing like that being filled with the Spirit. Spirit produces good effects at last. Drunkenness produces a false temporary happiness. The Holy Spirit produces true joy. Being drunk is dangerous to our health, but the Holy Spirit is good for our health, especially our spiritual health. Drunkenness saps spiritual strength, but the Holy Spirit increases spiritual power. Did you know that alcohol also puts us in the realm of the devil? But being filled with the Spirit puts us in the realm of God, and we're linked up with Him. One saps us of spiritual strength, the other one gives us spiritual power. One weakens us from doing what we want to do, the other one helps us to obey God. One can lead to crime, the other one leads us to obeying God's laws and the laws of man. You could sum it up, one of it makes us a sinful fool, the other one makes us a wise, godly Christian. One makes us think, speak, and act like an animal. But the other one makes us like an angel. And it can go on and on. As we said last week, if you live an unrepentant life of drink, drunkenness and even alcoholism, unrepentant life like that will only lead to hell. But... If you've been saved and indwelt by the Holy Spirit, that will lead you to heaven. Let's conclude. If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. Go on being filled by the Spirit. But if you're an unbeliever, you don't have the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you're an unbeliever, this might all sound mysterious, even magical. What are you talking about this invisible personal force you call the Holy Spirit? As I said, that Holy Spirit inspired the Bible. And if you're not a Christian, we encourage you to read the Bible, and you'll sense something supernatural as you read it. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Don't resist it. Don't close your Bible. Listen to what he is saying through the Bible. He is touching your conscience, convicting you, enlightening you. Don't resist him, but go along with him. Jesus once said this, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink, and I will give him living water. That's the Holy Spirit. And in the very last chapter of the Bible, in fact, the very last paragraph of the Bible, listen to this, Revelation 22. And, and the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely when I lived and studied in Scotland almost 50 years ago I still met people that had heard the great James Stewart preach now not, that's not Jimmy Stewart the actor but there was a famous uh, well famous Scottish preacher named James Stewart and they'd say he'd, he'd be filled with the spirit and people he'd, they could sense the Holy Spirit when he preached and once he preached what may have been the world's shortest sermon on this verse, 
And he read it with a slow, holy dignity. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And then after he read his text, he simply said, So, be filled with the Spirit. And then he closed in prayer. Dear brethren, be filled with the Spirit. And may God grant that wonderful experience to all in this place. Let us pray. Father, you sent the Spirit into the world at Pentecost and at other occasions. And you sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts. Thank you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you show us Jesus. You fill our hearts with the love of God. You lead us. You protect us. You enlighten us. Thank you, Lord, for the gift and the filling of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.